All right, guys, today our guest is Kerry uh, Porch. Uh, I've got his info here to tell you a little bit about him. Kerry uh, was a technician contractor at CNN in D.C. before headlines in 2019 when he leaked videos that exposed uh, particularly Jeff Zucker's personal vendetta against President Trump for eight months. Kerry had recorded internal discussions at CNN with a hidden camera, and uh, he believes these uh, tapes... Uh, all right, guys, oh, sorry. today are... He believes these uh, videos show a culture of really manufactured entertainment, essentially. He is not uh, right-wing politically. He is supported by Bernie. He supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, but he became uh, philosophically concerned uh, when he saw some of the, what was going on in terms of how people are being manipulated by the media. Uh, so Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe was uh, responsible for releasing some of these videos. And Kerry encourages whistleblowers and insiders to speak up about many things, especially the uh, secret agendas of news outlets. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble, you can't stop and you want help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show any time over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the Blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue mics, and once you try one, you will never go back, trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com blue. That is drdrew.com B-L-U-E. Anyone who's watched me over the years knows that I'm obsessed with Hydrolyte. In my opinion, the best oral rehydration product on the market. I literally use it every day. My family uses it. When I had COVID, I'm telling you, Hydrolyte contributed to my recovery, kept me hydrated. Now, with things finally reopening back around the country, the potential exposure to the common cold is always around. And like always, Hydrolyte has got your back. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity, my new favorite, starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients. Plus, each single-serving easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-to-pour sticks that rapidly dissolve in water, make a great-tasting drink, has 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink, it uses all-natural flavors, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolite.com slash Dr. Drew. Again, that is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Be sure to use the code Dr. Drew 25 for a special discount. 
Here with my daughter, Paulina, to share an exciting new project. Over the years, we've talked to a ton of young people about what they really want to know about relationships. It's difficult to know who you are and what you want, especially Mm. as a teenager. And not everyone has access to an expert in their house like I did. Of course, it wasn't like I was always that receptive to that advice. Right. No kidding. But now we have written the book on consent. It is called It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward, and it explores relationships, romantic relationships, and sex. It's a great guide for teens, parents, and educators to go beyond the talk and have honest and meaningful conversations. It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward will be on sale September 21st. You can order your book anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and of course, your independent local bookstore. Links are available on drdrew.com. So pre-ordering the book will help people, well, raise awareness, obviously, and it'll get that conversation going early so more people can, can notice this and spread the word of positivity about healthy relationships. So if you can, we would love your support by pre-ordering now. Totally. And as we said before, this is a book that both teenagers and their parents should read. Read the book, have the conversation. It doesn't have to be awkward. On sale, September 21st. Carrie Porch, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Drew, for having me. How are you? Pleasure. So tell tell your story again. I sort of gave a little sketch of it there. And we have people ready for questions over on Clubhouse. But you you were a technician at CNN over DC. Is that true? Did I get uh, yes, that right? Sir. So I worked uh, yeah, it was it was pretty spot on. I worked for a contracting company. So CNN, like many companies, they uh, subcontract out many of their duties and stuff. Mine was a satellite engineer, satellite uplink. So I worked on the the satellite trucks going on site. So if something was happening in DC or in the region, we would drive out, pop up the dish and make sure that the signal got from the correspondent, the on-air talent on ground up to space and then down to your TV or iPhone. That was my entire job responsibility was working the trucks and keeping them uh, running. And were uh, were you, did, did you consider yourself a journalist at that time? Uh, no, I mean, I just went in there. Uh, it honestly was my dream job at the time, you know, going to work at CNN and speaking truth to power and anything that someone wants to be a part of to, you know, hold those in power accountable. So I wasn't a journalist per se, but I was definitely helping in that fight at the time, at least I so I thought. And just, uh, you know, a Cliff Notes version of it, I did support Bernie in the uh, 16 primary. And then seeing how news, what I thought was manufactured through my two and a half years employment at CNN. You know, I definitely started recording and leaked to James, and here we are a couple years later. Now, I mean, obviously, I want to be full disclosure as well. This journey led me to be more libertarian or even more, um, you know, on the Republican side as well. So I don't want there to be any false statements or anything like that. But this long journey, because I got to see how news was made, even though I wasn't a journalist, like that was my job description, but I got to see how a lot of the things were made and broadcast to the public. And at first, how was it and how did things change? <clears throat> uh, first, it was a, it was a, it truly was. It was a dream job. Like I loved being there. I mean, the, the D.C. Bureau, um, you know, I got to see a lot of the people that I grew up watching on TV, like Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, you know, Dana Bash, <laughs> John King. A lot of those people that we see on a nightly basis, you know, that was housed in the D.C. Political Bureau. So it was very kind of star-striking and like awe-inspiring because I'm like, man, these, I'm working with these people I grew up watching. And then slowly but surely, I just got to see a little bit here, a little bit there. It wasn't some big, you know, Olympus, you know, from high, you know, light shining down like moment. It was a lot of little moments that pieced together to kind of truly lead me down a different path. 
Um, for instance, I notice I always like to say this one is that my very I got there in the summer of 2017, uh, just when things were ratcheting up with the, you know the new administration at the time. Um, my very first boots on ground job was actually covering the Charlottesville riots in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, so we got there, you know, set up story, you know, set up the dish, interviewed a lot of people. Um, and I was there kind of seeing things unfold in real time. And uh, the first thing that really kind of struck me kind of crazy was I kind of got to see live that one of those speeches by then President Trump, like, hey, there's good people on both sides. But then he disavowed, like not the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists. He truly disavowed those people in real time. And then I got back to the base, to the bureau. And then I saw later on, they cut those 10 seconds out where they said, and the white supremacists and, you know, don't listen to those people, which completely changed the context of the conversation. Now, keep in mind, I did not like Trump at the time, but even I at that time was like, hey, something's not right here. So that kind of put my antenna up and made me kind of at least look around a little bit more with a more critical eye. And then just one thing after another, it just really kind of uh, struck me as how like we're not reporting the news, we're now manufacturing it. And that really set, did not sit well with me at all and led me down that different path. Yeah, I uh, I think the first time I saw it so glaringly was not when I was working at HLN CNN. I actually was invited to an opiate crisis uh, symposium that they had at the White House. And I have no special <laughs> attraction to the Trump administration or to Trump. I, I'll help any, I've been to the Obama White House. I, any president wants my help, I'm in. I, they, anybody that wants to do something good, I'm in. And uh, by the way, I've offered myself to Sacramento and California is singularly uninterested, but interesting. Uh, so I went out there and <laughs> we had this amazing symposium and I will never forget Jeff Sessions said, you know what? I know how to do these things and I can see exactly how to fix this opiate crisis. And I promise you in six months, you're going to see the difference. And he was spot on that dude chain. People are not giving him credit. He changed the direction of the opiate epidemic. He started prosecuting wow. physicians that were excessively prescribing. And just, he, he knew that would freeze doctors in place, which it did. And then they were given other guidance than what they've been getting for the previous 15 years. Um, and so it, it changed everything that day, that symposium and, and every six of the, how many, how many secretaries of, of the cabinet is there? Eight or nine? How many? Uh, I forget. So Susan looked that up for me, or Caleb looked it up for me. It's been a while. Anyway, six of the <laughs> however many were there. So it's HHS, HUD, you know, uh, Homeland okay. Security. That you know, it's uh, DOJ was there. I mean, there were all these different department representatives of day long sort of symposium. I didn't know Trump was. Gonna, no one knew Trump was going to be at this thing, but he marched in towards the end of it, and he and he congratulated everybody for all they were doing. He talked about how Melania had been a major force in driving this, and he had come to understand it was serious. And at the, he was just sort of, you know, he just say shoots his mouth off. And so he was up there and he goes, I don't know, some countries make people pay the ultimate price. And I, I don't know, people go to great lengths to change this thing. I don't think we're going to do that. But I don't know, some countries do it. Maybe it's a good thing. I just don't know. But you guys tell me what we should be doing. The, the after a, 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 it was about a 20 minute speech, I, the press filled the room as he came in. They'd been absent all day. They didn't, they didn't pay any attention to the opiate symposium. And the headline the next morning was, Trump advocates killing drug dealers. Uh, and I was like, wow, a whole day of extraordinary stuff. And that's what the press mm -hmm. reports on this. That's unbelievable. 15 so, 
secretaries. Okay, so there's six of 15 were there, something like that. And it was a really ex extraordinary thing. And, I, and I, I was a part of something that turned around the opiate crisis, which I was interested in doing. Um, so there was that. Uh, and then at CNN, when I was there, I was on every night. Uh, and I was on, I was on, I had my own show on HLN and I was on mostly, um, Don Lemon's show or whatever came before that. I would be on those shows most nights because I was there producing my show. And so they just sent me into a satellite booth and we would do something. No one ever told me what to say. Oh, I would do a lot of Anderson Cooper show. No one ever told me, you, even the opening of this little stream, you notice is a bunch of cuts of me on Anderson Cooper and others, other right, satellite right. shows. And, and they never told me what to say. There was, I never felt in any way constrained. I didn't, I mean, there was clearly the anchors had a point of view, but they weren't, they weren't going crazy with it. Um, and then um, I was on, I don't know people know this story. It's kind of an interesting story. I, I was on a Don Lemon's show and he goes, you know, what is the, what's Trump's mental health problem? And I go, well, you know, a lot of business leaders have hypomania. He clearly has got that. You know, narcissism, you can see that, but there's a difference between narcissism and malignant narcissism. And then I was sort of saying, be careful, you know, there, you know, narcissism and bipolar has been a feature of many presidents, some of whom I deeply admire, like Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt, severe narcissist, severe bipolar. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln, there's some theory that he had some bipolar stuff going on. And I was just saying, you can't wow. really say because somebody has a certain psychiatric condition or personality makeup, they're not going to be an okay president. So I don't know. I don't know what it all means. So I went to my radio and nobody said anything about that. I did about 10 minutes of it on um, on Don Lemon's show. And um, the next day I went to my, I was doing a daytime radio show at the time. And I went in and my program director said, um, general manager said, uh, hey, that was good last night on, on Lemon. Would you do 30 seconds of that for our, you know, our website? So I said, yeah, I'll condense it to 30 seconds. Did it. Was getting up and he goes, you know, we better give both sides. You got, you better, can you do 30 seconds on Hillary also? And I said, well, funny thing, she just released her medical records and her medical records show some disturbing facts about the care she's getting, not her condition, the care she was getting. I had notes for the doctors, which by the way, later they, they addressed each one as though they were interrogatories. I mean, they were doing some weird stuff that the headline was the patient was in control of her care. I could tell. So this often happens with celebrities when doctors are sort of turned on. I'm, I'm Hillary Clinton's doctor. She was getting treatments she shouldn't have been getting. She wasn't getting other treatments she should have been getting. And she had a really serious condition. She, you've heard about the transverse sinus thrombosis for the John, from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, a, a clot in the skull, in the, in the brain. Oh, wow. She had that. She had it from a head injury, wow. and she had a stroke with it. And it's like really serious. And she had two clots in her leg. I mean, these are very serious clotting problems. And they were they were not... From what I from the what the records show, they were not on top of it. So I did a little thing on mm -hmm. that. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, the next morning, the Drudge Report uh, put a headline out that finally a doctor says she's not fit for office, which is not what no, I said. No, here we go, <laughs> off to the races. But, right again, again. I have learned since then that's how fake news is created. Everybody, listen to me. Hear me now. Look, watch my Twitter feed and see what, how people respond to it. It's never <laughs> what I say. It's what somebody says I said, and then that becomes, the, I'm very <clears throat> careful with what I say. So it's never what I say, it's what somebody says I said, and that becomes viral. Uh, and it's usually a, a miles and miles off what I actually had said. And this was, again, that situation, uh, and CNN came down to me like a ton of bricks. 
and I was silenced and never asked back. And, you know, and that was the end of that. And so it's um, very interesting. Oh, uh, he's showing a tweet. Caleb put put a tweet up right now that got uh, misinterpreted also. I, I uh, was saying, get your vaccines. I'm a vaccine. Mm -hmm. I'm an advocate for vaccines, but I'm worried about the passports. I have a passport. Susan has a passport, but I'm worried when 28.4% of African-Americans are not vaccinated, you are going to be excluding people because of their skin color from going to restaurants and bars and theaters because of their skin color, and people have pushed back. I actually got one good pushback. Make them sit out Hang outside. on. I was one got one good pushback, which was, well, they chose this as opposed to segregation, which was not chosen. Good point. Ooh. Wrong. Because the reason they are not getting vaccinated is they have distrust in the medical system because of how horribly they've been treated over many decades because of their skin color. They didn't choose right, that. My home That's state. the reason yeah, my home they're state. untrusting. You're going to talk about the Tuskegee experiment? Yep. Yep. You got it, Drew. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. step over you, yeah. but I mean, Go my ahead. home state of Alabama, yeah. my home state of Alabama, that's more than understandable that a certain popu- segment of the population just has a little disdain and skepticism toward government mandates or even company mandates, you know? Yep. Yep. And I say, look, rather than segregating them and mandating them, why don't you go at the trust issue a little bit? Why don't we go at the reason people are unwilling to get these vaccines so we can get them to get the vaccines that we'd like them to take? Oh my God. Anyway, um, so you're you're there, you're disillusioned, you've seen the Charlottesville distortions. Then what happens? Uh, yeah, there were definitely many, many other types of things like that like uh hey here's here's you know something happening in the news and obviously fox covers it one way and cnn msnbc covers it the opposite way it was just hard Mm -hmm. i was finding it was hard and hard harder and harder to find just middle of the road news which we both know doesn't exist everyone's got a, a slant or an agenda one way or the other the difference is drew is like which companies are at least more transparent with how they operate on that slant mm. and uh, trust mm-hmm. me i know people like to bag on fox i have my issues too with fox but they actually own where they're at like yeah i mean when i was uh, spoke with sean hannity on his show one of the very first things he said was yeah we we operate from a conservative point of view on the news and we're pretty open and uh, you know brash about it which i actually respected like hey at least i know which lens i'm looking at the news i'm consuming right now other than you know, CNN, Facts First, the most trusted name in news. You know, it's, it's not, quite the, not quite the middle of the road that they purport to be. That was the more and more right. disillusionment, uh, so much so that in 2019, I was actually working at CPAC, like working for CNN, covering it, uh, doing my job. And then, of course, that's where I just happened upon, you know, James O'Keefe was about to go on stage. It was his time to go. And, and keep in mind, like at this point, it's about a year and a half-ish into my employee, so I'm pretty much really going down like my quote-unquote red pill rabbit hole type uh, to speak and so i just decided to come find him and have a discussion i didn't know what was going to happen but at that point i was losing sleep i was taking pretty strong sleeping aids because now i know that i'm part of you know what i thought was a propaganda machine and it was just hard for me to continue with my conscience so you know i just knew i wanted to have a conversation with him to see where it would go i didn't make a decision right there uh, people think it was always from the beginning, but no, I was o- on board with CNN for the first year and a half of my employment and then till I wasn't. And uh, James and I mm-hmm. actually talked for about a month, month and a half. 
uh, before I decided to ever record because we both, if you think about it, we both had a lot to lose if the other one wasn't on the level. And so, right. you know, I was building, I just started my, you know, career in journalism, right? I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, one thing after another happened at work and I just called him one day like, hey, uh, send me a camera. I don't know what I have, but I want to start recording my bosses and kind of mm. show this to the world. Like the world or the country needs to see how news is made and not reported. And that's what I did for about so, six So let months. me, let me. I've always wanted to ask you this, and it's going to be a little bit of a pushback, so uh, permit me if sure. you will, which is um, a couple of questions. You know, uh, one was, how much news does the technical director really create? And, and you know, why target him as opposed to someone in the producing side that really is writing the prompter and shaping the stories and all that kind of stuff? And a, why? B, am I wrong? that he had more to do with the actual production news or C was he just reporting what was going on there that he was seeing that the producers were doing? Well, no, it's a fair, it's a totally fair question, Drew. And I love that you're bringing it up. I mean, there needs to be pushback. That's what news is getting to the root of the story, seeing what is no matter where you lie on the spectrum. Uh, so the technical director, that one was actually another CNN insider. One of the ones that went to on. So oh, that wasn't you, was Charlie. Chip. That was a different no, thing. That, I, wasn't, I, that one wasn't that was you. A, that was, Oh, that was recently. I that thought was, that was you. a few months ago. But it's a great oh, question. It's fair. Okay. Okay. So okay, go ahead. Was, can you answer uh, it? That was, I, I'll do what I can from my point of view. So that yeah. was a yeah. uh, that, that was a you know date and stuff like Tinder date, and that's well reported now. That Charlie is his name. Charlie Chester went on a series of dates with one of our operatives, and you know she just asked the right questions and just let him talk. Now, granted, he's a technical or floor director. He's not driving the news. That is a totally fair point. However, it is a very cross-pollinated environment in there. So no matter the job description, you can always listen in on uh, Zucker's calls, no matter where you are in the business, and everyone gets the same email chain. So the narrative and the direction is very evident no matter where you are in the business. Now, is what mm -hmm. he said wrong, though? You know, death cells or fear cells or, hey, we're trying to get Trump out of office without saying it type stuff. I mean, those were very, very powerful statements. Even if you hate Trump, that was a very powerful statement. It's like, wait a minute, why is a major news organization sitting on one side of the fence and actively trying to drive the political wedge one way or the other? I thought the news was supposed to be unbiased and just presented to us on a plate to make our own decisions. So that one was a very powerful uh, reporting that our organization did. And I'm so glad that she was able to get some very powerful statements. Do you think that Mr. Trump and Mr. Zucker have a, that the source of this is the conflict between those two gentlemen? Some of the stuff that CNN be. is doing. I know they, I know they were, I don't know if they were friendly back in the apprentice days. You know, they were both on that show. I think he was his producer, I believe. Could fact check me on that one. But it may be some bad blood from then, or just severe ideological differences. I think differences. he was, a, I I think he was the head of the network. I think he was the head of the network when, like the, when the show was was developed. Um, how can I much? Take a, can we take a quick little break here? I'm getting some like anti-vax stuff on YouTube. People are writing. I won't get the vaccine. I don't want to. We don't need that in our comments. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to. Send everybody over to Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and wherever so that. <clears throat> so we're. No, no. Caleb says it's doing okay right now. Yeah, I just. It won't. 
No. Okay, I just any if we're we're walking on eggshells at YouTube, Carrie, because we have been uh, <laughs> right. We've been put in jail twice, and we don't want to. Oh, yeah. So I we just had two like, strikes, two strikes for yeah, for nothing. Oh. I mean, for nothing. Yeah, but don't just for your comment. Type the word wow. vaccine or not. Like, no, no comments for words COVID. that my guests spoke. Not that they advocated anything, just words oh, that came goodness. out of their mouth. And so you know. Yeah, let's go easy over there. Yeah, we don't want you. Don't want you Otherwise, to lose we'll your just, channel. We'll We'll just send it's not you, Carrie, but just well, we should probably be careful what we're talking about openly on there anyway. So I don't know, you guys decide. Yeah, you can go to Twitch. Andrew Ashkazvila said go to Twitch to get 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 hard. Yeah, you can have fun on Twitch. Yeah, go there. do all you want over there, guys. Just go uh, for it. Didn't know <laughs> yeah. we were getting into spice, so, spicy territory, you know. <laughs> so Yeah, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. So Susan interrupted us. So, so how much given given how different my experience was at CNN for so many years, then see you, you arrived after I had just left. Right. So you okay, experienced what we, right. I was gone 16. I was gone in 2016 and I was there from 2009 to 2016, essentially. And I had a very positive experience. I enjoyed that show. I had a great staff. I had great support. I, everything was good. And we had some issues at HLN and stuff, but certainly nothing with CNN from, from my perspective. And, and by the way, and, and some of the, um, upper administration were some of the most, I don't know, substantial people I've ever met and nice. And, uh, I, and I, I mean, I had relationships, with all these people, it was, it was shocking to me when it came crashing down, but it came crashing down as the election came. Right. And, and so to my question to myself is what is what CNN has done to itself Trump derangement syndrome. And, and let me even make it an easier question by saying, if you're the head of a news organization and you believe, whether it's delusional or otherwise, you believe that a crazy dictator has taken over your country, you would do whatever you could do to get that person out, wouldn't you? And, and I, but I would, well, let's just ask that question. Trump derangement, and if they believe that, isn't their behavior more understandable? Okay, no, it's a, uh... I love the way you're framing it and everything like that, uh, Drew. So, <clears throat> I mean, logically, if, if you have the opportunity, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Sandberg over at Facebook. Uh, is it Cheryl Sandberg, the COO or yeah. something at the time? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. She kind of did the same thing. If you remember during the, uh, the 16 election, the run-up there, the email dump from uh, the WikiLeaks and everything or whoever did it. Uh, would, you know, found some emails from Sandberg to the Hillary camp, like, hey, what can I do with my platform to help you out? You know, so kind of the same well, things, like yeah. I have the opportunity of a large, you know, media, social media company to possibly help one side. So in that vein, maybe Zucker might have been trying to do that. But again, now you're stepping on the First Amendment and what news truly should be. So it is an ethical dilemma. Like if you're going to use your platform to tip the scale one way or the other, Shouldn't you also let your viewers know as well? That way they can, again, like informed consent in medicine, make an informed decision on the news that they consume. I mean, is that is that a fair parallel from your world? Again, that's what journalism has always, that's was always the standard for journalism. But again, they believed they had to throw out an evil dictator who was worse than Hitler. I mean, this is in their head. This is the delusion. It's a mass delusion. Literally, literally I mean, I don't know Hitler, what policy right? that's, the that's guy the did that, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I know by the way that Google had the same thing that Facebook had that Carol Sandberg was talking about, 
We interviewed from Veritas, Zach Voorhees, who documented Great guy. the guy. And he had the same experience, though, at Google that I that I'm think I'm seeing here at CNN, where when I was there, it was the place it was supposed to be. It was a little left-leading, whatever. I mean, whatever. But it wasn't what it became all of a sudden in 2016 that you were exposed to. And, and I'm just, I'm wondering if they will ever get their feedback under them and even apologize for what, the way they've been. I mean, it's just, it's, it's been, I, I, in, in it, well, answer that question. What do you think? Do you think they'll ever come back? I mean, they, they certainly can, in my opinion. I've started, you know, just even when I was there, I started tracking the decline in ratings. And you and I both know in, in your business, I'm just a fairly, fairly new guy in, in, in this. But, I mean, ratings are how you get paid, like the ad revenue and this and that and the other. But when you see that the three headlining people, like, you know, you have your uh, Wolf Blitzer, your Cuomo, and then Don Lemon, your primetime nightlies, and combined, they can't touch a Tucker Carlson or a Hannity or even a handful of new independent YouTubers each night. You know, the writing's on the wall uh, financially. Like, I honestly don't know how they're paying their bills other than maybe reaching into parent right. company AT&T's pocket. So, I mean, the you know, you can believe the small but loud little, you know, Twitter mob and everything like that. But what do the raw numbers, the Nielsen, like, how are you paying your bills? How many advertisers are sticking around or jumping ship? I mean, again, I don't know those details. I just see the Nielsen ratings. I see a continuous decline. I, I can tell you, I can tell now. you what it is. I can tell you what it is because because I was with them through some pretty deep downturns. And what happens is the ad revenue sustains for a little while because the corporations want to have the brand on their docket. They want to be the CNN advertiser. They want those and they want some of their particular demographics, some of the ones that they're out that they have. So I know that they get a certain amount of time out of that, but I would say time would be running out right about now, <laughs> right about now is when they're going to be in big, big, big trouble. And it's, it's really interesting to see how they manage that. I, I, I don't know. I don't think they're reaching. They could reach into AT and T's pocket, but I don't think that's how things work over there. It didn't work that way when I was there with right. Warner Brothers. It's not a. It's not Daddy's with, uh, uh, Daddy's checkbook, right? So no, they they had to sustain themselves because HLN. We that was the problems we were having. We you know, and it's interesting to me though. You know, if they could like adjust course and apologize, they would have a higher ground to stand on than Fox, which is their main competitor. In other words, Fox is saying, oh, this is just us, whatever. The, Fox, the one thing that Fox does well that keeps them in a, in a zone that is, is a certain high ground of its own is they make fun. And they say, oh, it's just humor. It's just humor. And, and that, that gives them a certain amount of flexibility that CNN doesn't have. Like, like Gutfeld's show is, is funny, right? They actually are funny. They are making fun of things. And that's, that's a good way to deliver I, you know, opinions and topics and things like that. It's not what CNN claims to be. So they have to right, do dude. what they're claimed to be or, or change their brand. I mean, I guess change the brand, I guess. But I don't think people are going to want that brand from them. But I, so tell me more about, you know, what you've learned uh, about what they're doing there. What are your thoughts on it? These are, these are just sort of my thoughts about what might be going on and trying to understand it because it is such a drastic change from when I was there. You, as somebody who arrived once the change had already occurred, what are your thoughts on it? What do you think? Well, right. And, and it's, it's a great question, Drew, because, again, you're absolutely right. Like, I came in 
<clears throat> let's see, June of 2017. So what he took office January of 17, right? If, I, if my math is right. So it was just a few months into the new administration. So all I knew was my zero was right during the whole, as you said before, like TDS or whatever the uh, diagnosis Whatever's is. Like, hey, we're going full bore. <laughs> we're going full bore this way to take down a sitting president mm-hmm. because, you know, he's literally Hitler mm-hmm. and all this other stuff that we mm-hmm. hear on the, on the Twitterati and everything. So, um, mm-hmm. the crazy part of my stories and, you know, these was, came out in 2019. One of the most succinct arguments for one of my recordings was a, a man named Patrick Davis. Mm-hmm. And it was on one of my second or third re- taped release. And he was in the news business or even at CNN for 20 plus years. He was the field ops manager, an amazing man. Like you, you have warm feelings toward, you know, some of the higher up staff. And I, I felt the same way and still feel toward him. Um, just he was that type of guy and he was on one of my recordings saying like the morning meetings are completely bs we used to be the complete best we changed the industry we actually catapulted news into the glorious you know fourth estate that it should be and then of course trump comes along and everybody loses their minds um they totally abandon Mm -hmm. all journalistic uh integrity and just boom just go full bore you know basically in a poker terms full tilt and just go right into like i don't care ethics be damned you know we're, we're going to take take down this man i mean there's definitely a handful of recordings that didn't make the tape but either a faulty recording at the time or just didn't record it that i mean pretty much would have brought it to its knees if it would have made the tape but and it was all regarding wait wait i'm, wait, I'm like, confused by that what, what do you wait, wait wait what do you mean you mean you couldn't understand what was being said or you or veritas decided not to push it out no, it was it was a uh, like uh, technical difficulties type thing. It was either muffled in in my pocket, and you couldn't clearly delineate what the words and saying was. And you know, Veritas does have a high standard. We're not going to put it out unless you can see their lips moving and clearly hear it. Um, and it was, and I'll leave it just as vague as I can, where it was very higher ups there talking about it's our job to take him out, talking about the president, like we have we can't rest until we take him out. You know, those types of sentiments. Well, that's pretty good, but I don't through. think there's. I don't think there's any d- doubt about that, though, right? I mean, it, it's pretty clear that's what they, they sort of said it many times. Like, this is, you know, they, they really believe that a, a horrible, crazy, they, look, Chris Cuomo said it on his show. He said a Russian operative is sitting, those words, a Russian operative is sitting in the Oval Office. It's like, if you believe right. that, I mean, if I, I wouldn't say it on TV unless I believed it. And if you believe that, you'd work, you'd work tirelessly to get him out. Well, you would, but you think with 40 plus million dollars in the Mueller investigation, all these other, and the, the whole apparatus of CNN global and international and like all the different arms they had, you think they couldn't uncover that if it was the truth? I mean, if he indeed was an operative and all this other stuff, I'd want him out too. And, you know, I voted for the man in, in 20, you know, like I would but, want but him out too. But that's where the that TDS the is in. Carrie, that's where the, mm-hmm. that's where the delusional thinking, but we've been in lots, we've been in multiple delusions since about 2016 in this country. It's a different and world. We, we had, <laughs> so. we've, had, we've had his, we, I, I've been saying this for quite some time that we, around 2016 to 18, we turn from predominantly narcissist to predominantly histrionic in this country. And as a histrionic, we are prone to panics and, and social contagion and delusional thinking. If somebody came to me in 2015 and talked about seeing Nazis everywhere and believing the president was a a Hitler or a Nazi, I would put them in the hospital for, for delusional thought processes. And that delusion became a routine part of the collective thought. 
that that was not normal. That was a and then COVID did a whole other set of delusions, which are going on to this day. It's really stunning the the way people's thinking can get distorted. And the the objectivity when you're in a delusion, Carrie, ob objective data does not matter, right? It just you just twist it to support your delusion. No, absolutely. And and you from a medical perspective, and I've. I think you and I spoke a little bit back about it backstage, you know, in, in South Dakota, where, you know, from a medical perspective, you're just trying to, you as a medical doctor are trying to sift through all the, the data available and then make a, the best recommendation you can. When did mm -hmm. science and medicine become political, right? I mean, this is your, oh my God, realm of expertise. It, it's, it's on, it's, I, it's, I, 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 that's what I spoke about it uh, at the conference we were both at. I, I couldn't, I can't, the strangest thing I've ever seen. And, and we're still kind of there. We're still, it's not as bad. It's loosening a little bit, but we've been in this collective. Well, I, my profession has been in a collective panic, not so much a delusion. Uh, and the panic and, and the fear has been that you're going to get, you know, lose your job. You're going to get your reputation is going to get crushed. You're going to get told you're a bad person or a bad doctor or something. And, and because of that, they froze and, and stopped thinking. Now, now the problem, I'm seeing something new happen in my profession, like literally the last couple of days, is now they're starting to have, people are starting to speak up and share ideas, some of which are way out there and questionable. And they're sharing them with the public, not with their peers. And that's not where that should go. I think they're so angry about being you know, pushed down for so long. Now they're like, they're going to let you know what they're thinking. And this is something that scientists and clinicians need to hammer out not the public. We need to leave the public out of these conversations. It just serves to make people more distrustful and less likely to do the things they need to do from a health, health, a public health standpoint. So, well, right. And, ugh, and you, and I, you know, Carrie, I've never, never spent so much of my time, never so much of my time going, oh, yeah, disgusting. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted by so much. And I, and I say that now about eight times a day, like, oh, ugh. Uh, pooey. But uh, here we are. That's the world we live in. It's disgusting. And the thing about disgust is that it's a very powerful emotion for movement. It makes you do something. You can't sit with disgust very long. Your, your body brain won't allow you. You just got to move off it. And so I, I'm trying to, you know, make a difference somehow to in response to some of this um, disgusting stuff. And so I appreciate your efforts as well. What are you working on now? No, and and again, I always hey, I forgot tell to say. <laughs> well, I can I can allude and 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 work in generalities, of course, but, um, you know, I mean, you're doing exactly what I think a lot of people should do. You're just using your professional influence and your professional expertise to try to lay it out on the independent side. Now, granted, I know YouTube is you know doing its thing to you and all the ma major players, but like the things like Rumble and all the other independent uh, platforms that are popping up. I mean. People want information. They don't want to be, they don't want to have it funneled to them to try to like, hey, we're doing it for you. Cause I mean, that's a form of fascism or whatever, not getting a strike or something. People just want their information. That's <laughs> why I did what I did with the news. Like, hey, I just want as unbiased as possible presentation of the facts for people to make up their own minds. I know you and I, I know we can't really wade too much. If I understand it correctly, we can't wade too much into, you know, certain syringe type stuff here is, is what I was getting. Um, 
But right now I'm actually working at Project v. Veritas for the last V word. We'll go that one. <clears throat> so as about a month ago. And by the way, let me say it hired. again. I am I am a strong supporter of the V. You're pro <laughs> I am. V, pro but v. I want I to have like the... <laughs> Yeah, but I want to have discourse about it. I want to hammer out my my position. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something to be concerned about. I want to think about all these different things. I I <laughs> And the fact that I can't even bring the word up, let alone have a conversation about it, is <laughs> astonishing. Astonishing. But anyway, so go ahead, finish the your v, thought. You mean the vagina? Oh, that's what I was yeah. talking about. Sure, sure. So, we'll go with that one. Where, but, where are you, uh, you know, and you're, I and you're, that was... Susan, well, a V word that will struck. get it ticked off YouTube. It's not vagina. <laughs> so, my, my, we can say that one. So, we just can't say the other one. Be. <laughs> so, right, the medical exactly. V, right? Um, yeah. No, and, so go and, ahead. Uh, what, that, what, you're, what? you're doing, <laughs> you're doing what you can, and uh, that's what people want. They just want the information. That's why I did what I did. And you know, hey, we want the information left, right, or center. You know, yada yada. We can go add infinitum on that. <clears throat> but as of a month ago, like you know, because my story came out in late 2019, uh, my then pregnant fiance at the time was very high risk. So like in my mind, you know, what am I going to do? I have a pregnant wife I want to take care of with a baby that you know may or may not have difficulties. Um, mm. you know, so we did our, we did our release and thankfully like a lot of Patriots came together and donated a little over a hundred thousand dollars to us to coast into our new life. Mm. Uh, but in my mind, I didn't want to stay and accept one of these media jobs that was offered to me, which I would have loved to have stayed in it, but it's like, it's just, I wouldn't have a life. So I went back to corporate America and to telecom and sales. They always had amazing benefit packages, especially for medical stuff. Uh, thankfully, mm. my little daughter was born. She's healthy. She's 16, whatever months old now, just a firecracker. She's fantastic. And I just kept noticing myself wanting to come back into the fight. You know, after you work with Project mm. Veritas or someone in that sphere, a normal job is definitely, you know, not as fulfilling. Um, so as mm. of a month ago, I came on board as an investigative journalist. So now my job is to me and my team, we man the tip lines on like Instagram, you know, Proton Mail, you know, Veritas tips at protonmail.com, those types of things. Mm. We come in, we vet them. I make, I make at least 10 to 20 calls a day to vet things out. Mm. Uh, we're actually working on a bunch of different things right now in the medical community. And I'll just leave it at that for right now. Um, I would love to talk to you offline about that, but there were, we're basically attacking a lot of different vectors in a lot of different industries like media, school, government, medicine, um, censorship, obviously elections, all the good stuff like that, that will get us kicked off. But, Dude, that, um, that is where that. there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, obfuscation. There's a lot of people tr struggling to, um, emerge from the morass who want to speak a truth and, you know, can't, and, and really it's, it is literally media, medicine, government bureaucracies, uh, teachers, schools. I, I mean, this is where I'm. I hear lots of stuff that people want to want to say something and and really can't. Uh, and uh, it, good for you guys for helping give them a voice. Uh, it's got to be terribly challenging though to vet this stuff. It, it is, Drew, and, and thank you for that. And and these people, like we got, I think what we're in August, and I think we're already at twenty or thirty thousand tips for the year on all the platforms. I mean, we mm. kind of have become the de facto stopgap the the end of the road like hey I don't, i've tried going to my employer i've tried doing the open door policy i've tried my congressman i've tried this you guys are my last hope and that is the heartbreaking thing that you know we can't save everybody so but we have to vet certain things and mm. you know because obviously people try to infiltrate that way which it is it is what it is but we're trying to get to 
all the nuggets that we can. We have a fantastic team. And I always tell people, if you, we're always two to three degrees of separation away from the next bombshell that the country needs to know. And I always tell people, mm-hmm. DM us on uh, Project Veritas on Instagram or Veritas Tips at ProtonMail.com. It comes to my desk. We vet it. We read every email. I promise you, some of it is obviously, ah, this is not really going anywhere. But, you know, like I said, myself and my team, we make about 10 to 20 calls a day per person vetting things and putting it up the food chain. And we're building an army, like all these citizen journalists, like it's remember uh, I was the third person to come out publicly with Veritas. Now there's 10 and there's, uh, let's just say there's dozens in the pipeline right now. We're just vetting and doing what we can do, but there's a lot of people that are now coming to us because they feel they have nowhere else to go. Now, the really cool part is when people, a lot of people say we're just a right wing and this and that. But I mean, we went after Fox News on one of our previous stories, Ivory Hecker. She interviewed a brilliant doctor, Dr. Uh, Joseph Barone in Houston, that had some incredible V data on how he was attacking it. And Fox suppressed that. And so she came to us. I don't know if you know of Dr. Barone. He had a fantastic uh, spread that she actually put out um, that, you know, he had some amazing success combating that certain thing we can't talk about. Um, so that's why she came to us and she was the first news person that came to us. And then of course, April Moss, this NCBS insider, I myself am talking to, let's just say a handful of other local affiliates across the country that people are getting sick up being mandated in their workplace to take the V or this or that, or wear the mask and people just want their choice and we just want to give it to them. And we're, we may need to hold us in care. I'm going to stop you. We can't do the M word either. Uh, so I wonder if we should go to rumble. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, but that's okay. So everybody on YouTube, head on to the other platforms. I'll put this. <laughs> Sorry about that. We probably should have done. A, we should, probably should have done a red, I'll tell you, let's do this. Of, uh... I know it's so ridiculous, <laughs> but but let, let's let's take a quick break. Let's take a little commercial break before we turn yeah. off the. We'll, yeah, we'll leave the. I'll put up the list of places to go, or go to drdrew.tv and find the links to the other places. We love you, at YouTube. We've got a good group of people over there. Um, for the person that I blocked, but um, <laughs> but yeah. I'm still watching you guys typing uh, the H words. I'm watching you, everybody, over on the the uh, restream chat. I also have the chat at Rumble going on. If anyone wants to b- hop in there, but all the links are at Doc Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Right. And, and then we're, we're on got, Clubhouse. We're on too. Clubhouse. We have uh, very few hands up, but we will uh, yeah, perhaps yeah. get some hands Clubhouse up as we go along here. So we'll take a too, but... What has been? Say it again. Oh, Clubhouse has been kicking people off lately, too. Oh, yeah, I know. We want to talk about the V word and the M M word after the break. All right, we will. Be right back. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show anytime over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the Blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue Mics. And once you try one, you will never go back. Trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com slash blue. That is drdrew.com slash B-L-U-E. We are back now. Thank you. All right. We're saying goodbye to YouTube. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, YouTube. Thank you guys for having been there. And uh, let's go to uh, Carrie. Let's bring him back in here. 
Um, again, Carrie from Project Veritas, where he is now a full-time. Carrie, are we bringing you in? There we are. Did, did, did I hear you correctly that you had to go fund me when you left your job? So um, I set it up and the uh, Veritas guys pushed it. And again, so a lot of people, a few thousand people came together, you know, kicked in a little over $100,000. And that basically gave us an amazing, grateful cushion into our next life. Like, because all I wanted to do after that, I just wanted to go live a normal life, a nine to five office job and just be done with it all. And it definitely provided that for us. I mean, that, I mean, it was amazing. I can't thank anybody enough. And some people to this day still donate a little bit. It blows my mind, uh, the generosity of people that believe in a certain cause. Um, so that's where I'm at. Again, I went into corporate America for about, you know, a year, two years or whatever. And then just the fight kept calling me. So reached out and we negotiated back and forth. And again, now I'm full time at Project Veritas sniffing out the next stories. And what can we say on this particular channel or that we couldn't say on YouTube? Or is it still kind of a have to, have to be careful? No, no, we're good now. We're, we're able to express ourselves, though. Maybe Facebook will have some weird reaction one of these days. But um, I also want to, so we'll talk about that in a second. But um, I want to respond to some people on the restream here. Makai asks, why did I say it's unfair for black people being excluded from places for not wanting the experimental jab? Why did I say that? In America, 28, only 28.4, meaning 71.6% of African Americans in America have not had the vaccine. They have not had the vaccine because they've been mistreated by the medical community in various ways over the last maybe 100 years especially. And as a result, they tend not to trust based on their experience. Their experience is because of the color of their skin. And so now we are going to take that population and exclude them from being able to go into restaurants, bars, and theaters because of the history of mistreatment why don't we say, let's go after building that trust back so people who are resistant in those populations are become willing to take the vaccine as opposed to segregating them from basic freedoms. Think about it. That's all I'm saying. Think about what we're doing. That's all I'm saying. I have a vaccine passport. My wife has a vaccine passport. My kids have vaccine passports. Oh, well. But there are people for whom that's going to be a pretty concerning sort of a problem to be ostracized without having had that and not wanting to get it on there because of their history. That's all I'm saying. Uh, anyway, that's yeah, all that's, I'm saying. It's a fair um, point. Let's go to, let's go quickly to some questions here. Um, no, it's sad. What's that? That was our troll on YouTube. Oh, was was? <laughs> <laughs> Leopold, Leopold is incredibly loud where you are. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> Ah. Yeah, it's always Jeanette's <laughs> fault. <laughs> hey, so I have a question for Terry. You know, um, I, you know, totally hate what you had to go through in terms of, you know, just the craziness. And a question just for folks who want to find what the truth is, right? And so you're with Project Veritas, obviously, but, but how does a consumer uh, of, um, you know, news these days know what the truth is. How, how do you determine that? Oh, boy. Words, you know, Oof. so what, what I tend to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. Oof. Well, I, what I tend to do in, personally is, I, you know, I'll watch the evening's news the next morning, you know, channel, uh, you know, the channel four, which is uh, NBC, 
usually get really angry. Then I'll watch Fox News. <laughs> and, and then somewhere in between, I figure the truth lies. Would you say that that is a, you know, a, a good way to try to distill what the truth is? Or is there a go-to place where one could go to, to say, hey, this is, uh, you know, typically where the truth uh, lies, you know, online, perhaps a source. Is there some place that you go, Carrie? Uh, yeah, Leopold, fantastic questions. Thanks so much. Are, are, where are you calling in from? Clubhouse or one of the other places? Uh, yeah, yeah, Clubhouse. Club, club, clubhouse, yeah. And I, and I, I okay. live in Southern California, so. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, I'm down, I'm down in Tampa and stuff. So, but no, it's a fantastic question. And, and it truly is one that we all wrestle with nowadays. Like, where do we get our information? How do we know that it's true? What's the degree of truth? Like on a sliding scale or, you know, facts and do facts truly matter? Um, I don't mind sharing some of the places I go. Um, the biggest thing I've learned, and again, this we're all on our own journey, is to find out who pays whatever network or creator's bills. Um, so like mm. your CNNs or your Foxes or something like that, like look at their sponsors and that'll pretty much tell you kind of where they lean and this and that and the other, for, you know, in general terms, obviously. But uh, so, for instance, I, yeah. you know, I still watch CNN from time to time and MSNBC. It's a great way to check the temperature of where one viewpoint is, is going. I also watch Fox and, you know, RSBN and OAN from time to see how the other viewpoint to see that temperature. Uh, mainly, I get my, sor- my news primarily now. This is just me. I'm not advocating one way or the other, but I have a, a pretty decent sized circle of online creators because I know where they're getting their money. They're getting their money from a PayPal tip jar or a super chat or, you know, a very rare sponsorship. So, um, you know, I have conservative, libertarian, liberal and progressive creators that I listen to on a, on a daily basis, you know, like, uh, like, you know, I, I love watching Tim pool, uh, you know, Steven Crowder, even Jimmy Dore and Kyle Kalinske on the progressive side. I still have my progressive leanings and yes, I still watch CNN and MSNBC, um, you know, joy Reid on the side from time to time on Twitter and stuff like that. So I try to get it. It, from it, it sounds sources. like Harry, it's, yeah, it sounds like you're saying is you really, you've got to look at a lot of different kinds of sources to get a sense of what the landscape really is. Even then, though, we're, I'm sure you're obscured from yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff just didn't get Well, right. Yeah. And, and that's the hate, hard part, Drew and Leopold, is like, you know, like I, I'm a new father with a, with a newborn. I don't literally have time to watch, you know, two or three hours of content a day. I just try to get snippets from you know, left, right, and center, but it, it shouldn't have to be that way. That's the sad part. Like I should be able to turn on the nightly news and okay, here's just the facts because remember, Drew, you and Susan can probably attest to this, is that back in the day, if they misreported something, they had to do a retraction, people got fired. Mm-hmm. Nowadays it's just oh, oh yeah. They don't even have to they don't even have to apologize. We call it drive by journalism. Oh. They'll just throw a story out there to get it first, and then six months later, oh our bad, but the damage is already done. I mean, people's lives can end right. based on malpractice in the news. And that's a strong statement. But if you gin up a mob with some false information, I'm not gonna go into details on this show, but you can gin up a mob with any type of things and people can die. And oh, our bad, six months later, we had this piece of the story wrong. Well, the pe- person is already injured and or dead. Like the damage is already done. So that's just my thing. Oh, like, tell me about just, it. You're, you're doing great. Just watch a few different sources. Again, like watch who pays their bills and who owns where they're at. That's the main thing. Like like Reason TV, for instance, I love them. They're a libertarian source. They own it. Hey, we're doing news from a libertarian source. Fox says, hey, we're conservative. 
they own it. They own where they're at. And to me, that garners a lot more respect than someone saying, hey, no, we're middle of the road when they clearly are to one side. That's, to me, malpractice. Leopold, does that uh, help you? Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, one of the things that, one of the issues that uh, that really highlighted this was when we had the, uh, whatever you want to call them, protests or riots or whatever they were. And my daughter, who lived in uh, Santa Monica at the time where it first broke out, and I saw real time, you would see the video feed mm-hmm. of what was happening, where mm-hmm. the fires and the break-ins, and the newscasters were so opposed to calling, you know, folks who are running into the stores looters for fear of the political correctness factor uh, because of their ethnicity. So they would refuse. To, was that local news or was that the cable news again? I, I think I was watching, well, it was a new, you know, where they, uh, so you might be watching Channel 7 and all of a sudden they'll break in and say, okay, breaking story yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and they were so afraid of identifying because of the ethnicity. And I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to, start a, a thing on on here but basically because they were a certain ethnicity they did not want to call them looters they didn't want to call them you know and yet you were watching it real time happen before your eyes and i thought that was crazy it was ludicrous that they were self-editing because of political correctness and mm-hmm. wokeness or whatever else you want to call it mm-hmm. and, and i thought that was just a, a prime example of how the news has been bastardized by let's say forces like political correctness or other external forces, wherein you know the newscasters worried to uh, you know label someone, wherein it's obvious it's happening right in front of your eyes, and they would refuse to identify uh, so them. I'm not sure, but but I'm not sure that's a function because I think I thought local news did a really good job during all that stuff. So what I think, Leopold, yeah. I think had it been on a national scale I, of, a, of an organization that has a history of distorting things, I would be, eh, I agree with you. But my suspicion is that on a local level, they were scared of the Twitter mob and oh, because okay. they could lose their jobs. They could be, I, and I've seen, I listen, I was at dinner a couple of nights ago with somebody in her, their mid thirties and the rest of us were quite a bit older and we had a conflict with the waiter and she was like, don't say anything. He'll tweet something bad. Don't say anything. He'll tweet. He'll tweet. And I thought, wow. That, and, and a lot of these news anchors you're talking about in local news are younger people and are used to defining themselves by what goes on in social media. And so I, I think that plays a bigger role than you might imagine. You know, there was one local broadcast, I think it was on channel five and, and he was older like myself. And he was literally confronting the folks who were stealing from the yeah. businesses that were broken in. Yeah. And, and he was just basically saying, why are you stealing? You know, I mean, yeah. and he was in their face. I, I don't know if I've seen that newscaster since then. Mm. So I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't even remember his name, but I thought he was the only truthful person because he was right in their face. You know, yeah. he was saying, why are you doing this? Why yeah. are you breaking the glass? Why are you running and stealing things? And, uh, but when I heard the other newscasters identified the, you know, the very same thing, they, uh, were very careful in what they were labeling these folks. They, they were very careful not to make any, uh, disparaging remarks. No, I get it. I get it. And, 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 but to be fair also to them, it was a evolving thing and no, no one wanted to be accused of arriving at conclusions before we sort of knew what was going on. 
But yes. but uh, yeah. again, it's it's one of the advantages of generally being objective. People like yeah. me will give you the benefit of the doubt. Go, okay, well, you guys sure. hadn't really figured it out yet. Um, but if it had been Fox or CNN, I would assume whatever they were doing was because of the way they look at things. Right. You know, right. so. They were spinning it. All right, Leopold. Thanks so much, buddy. Right. Thank All you. Right. Thank See you. you. Thanks, Are you have any comment about that? No, I mean, he's, he's right. And and again, I, I, I know none of us want to wade into that territory, but it's one of those things where, you know, again, like reporting what you can without, like you said, just a genuine want to report the news. If you're not on your game, uh, you know, the, the news can make it what halfway around the world before the truth puts on its boots or whatever the saying might be. So those things right. have real right. time, real world ramifications. And if you're not on your game, then you can truly have some pretty outstanding, like butterfly, like ripple type effects. So it was a great question from Leopold. That was fantastic. Susan, I think there's something going on at Rumble too, problematically. Hi. I don't know. People are complaining. Uh, Can you see their comments? I see a, a one comment. I just see Miss Kitty. She says, I like Dr. Drew. He's based. I think I fell means... in love with Dr. Drew on the mass singer. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> which is, a, which is, a, I oh, see. Wow. no, no, but the, I, I'm he, they're complaining on restream that the, the, uh, rumble stream is not working. Oh, so, so just check that. Uh, okay. Yeah, let's let me double uh, check. Is it, uh, just check it. Yeah. Uh, what happened? Caleb, Caleb might know. Caleb, are you doing okay? Maybe we lost connection now. I'm checking on it. It seems like it's working. I see it now. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, just... Let me get another call. A question up here. Josh, go ahead. Oh yeah, it's working. I can okay. see it. Josh. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hey there. Um, so my question is it's a weird question and I hope everyone understands what I'm saying, but how do you sort of survive as a Democrat? I mean, I'm a Democrat, but I feel mm -hmm. like no matter what I do or what I say, is like, I'm only heading to one place. I'm either going to be a criminal. I mean, you see the governor, you know, um, he seemed to be very on top of things. And he had to resign. So that's what a Democrat is now. Clearly, that's what it is. I mean, other than Biden. Nah. And to a sense, I'm just saying, know. like, what do I do to have any sense of like, okay, maybe he's a good person. Maybe. Maybe. Who? You know? uh, Cuomo? Me. No, me. I'm oh, talking you. about myself. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, that is a good I don't question. know. Just for being a Democrat, like it seems as though. Why Why um, should your party have anything to do with how you're perceived as a person? The, the fact that you even feel that way is just so wild. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's a weird question. But, but let me ask Harry. Maybe he has some experience he's had, you know, in what he's been reporting that sort of helps put a little light on that. Go ahead, Carrie. Oh man. Well, Hey Josh, thanks again for, for coming in. And, and yeah, I'm with Drew, like a political affiliation, you know, it, it shouldn't matter with, you know, surviving or not surviving. I mean, whether it's Cuomo Spritzer or, you know, Richard Nixon or whatever, like all these high profile people that, you know, got us in trouble, they made bad choices. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if there's an R D or I next to your name. I mean, you sound like a really upstanding guy and I'd love, I would love to get a beer with you sometime but, if we're in the same but, place, but, let's but 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 let's let's talk about it for a second because I, I think what he's talking about is the same thing I heard friends from the right complaining about six months ago, which is that they couldn't ad admit they were anything. <laughs> they couldn't admit their position. They couldn't oh, speak. They were afraid of getting attacked, and, and and they felt bad about themselves for having a political point of view. And that's what now Josh is talking about. 
And um, interesting. And, yeah. So it's it's yeah. definitely it's it's definitely. I mean, Josh, feel free to chime in too if if that's what it is. And um, you know, me, I'm you know, I'm on the right right now, and I definitely feel some pressure sometimes. Um, you know, and a lot of the tips I get are, Hey, they're, they're, my boss is coming after me. Like I get tips from some people in big tech and education, which are notoriously, you know, left-leaning as a whole. So like, uh, you know, they're coming after people for political persecution. Now, depending on where you live, I mean, places like DC have laws against political ideology persecution, but you know, it's a very real thing. People dox people that are different just because they can. I mean, Twitter is a very dangerous cesspool these days if you say the wrong thing or step on the wrong eggshell i mean Dr. drew has experienced yeah. this in real time as well oh, um it, it's, a, it's a very scary place because yeah be, before before the 2016 election i'm sure we all agreed like for the most part nobody i know i didn't really care about politics before 2016 i just wanted to live my life and you know pursuit of happiness and everything else enshrined in the constitution mm-hmm. right i mean that's what we yeah hey you're yeah. a liberal i'm a conservative whatever hey let's go get a beer but uh, yeah, something changed in society and the psyche. So, I mean, again, you sound like a pretty upstanding guy. And um, from my opinion, again, this is just my opinion. It seems that your, your persuasion, the left side of the aisle is actually more protected than the center or the right. And that's just my personal observation. I mean, you see all these mobs coming after, you know, like a lot of pro-life people or someone who pro-Trump or this or that and, and get doxxed. I mean, Tim Pool actually did an amazing video on this about a year or two ago that, you know, people on the right are systematically a little more and get a little more heat from the big tech oligarchs, to, so to speak. So um, I hate that you're feeling that way. Can you give me an example of kind of what your fears might be so I can understand? Oh, he's, well, let me see if I can get or him up here he's again. Gone. I, I, okay, sorry. Can I say something really quick yeah. about yeah. somebody on Rumble, Miss yeah. Kitty, again, yeah, yeah, the yeah. one that is yes. in love with you from yes. the Mouse Singer? Yeah, yeah. She said, uh, <laughs> this is the same pressure as I feel as an unvaccinated. Well, she lives in Missouri in the lowest vaccination rate and they have the highest antibodies, she said. Right. And so Miss Kitty. Same kind of thing. It is, it is, it is tribalism, it's scapegoating, it's hysteria, it's humans at their most primitive and not good. And the fact that we are succumbing to all this is beyond somebody dealing. Here's what I know about health, uh, public health messaging. I've worked, like I said, I worked on it very hard during the AIDS epidemic. We had to change behaviors. And here's how you would take somebody like Miss Kitty who is, doesn't trust what she's hearing. She doesn't trust it for the very reasons Carrie's bringing up about what's going on in the news. So I, for Miss Kitty, she needs good information. She'll, if we gave her good information, she would arrive at a good, healthy choice. If we gave her narratives about people that made good choices and narratives about people that make bad choices and let her look at those narratives and understand why the outcomes were what they were, she would make good choices. Instead. We go, we need to put you in jail. You need to follow them. You need to listen to me. I know what's good for you. That's not, that does not change people's behavior. It hardens their position. Miss Kitty, tell me if I'm not right on the, um, uh, yeah, Miss Kitty wants, uh, wants a, a third option. She wants to get testing. I think that's an excellent idea. I think more testing would be a great idea. And why we're not pursuing m- Listen, one of the things that uh, I think California's coming up with that I thought was a great idea is they're going to mandate they're going to mandate teachers get vaccinated or regular testing. That's a kind of a reasonable thing for them to do. 
because it leaves the the option for them not like to get back to CNN. Want. Is that what it is there too? Yeah, Fox News, wherever. Right, but they, they should give people, you know, really. But the problem is our testing protocols are sh not good, and so we need to kind yeah, of. Yeah, but it could be like it could be it could be rapid tests, and you know. So so here's interesting. Miss Kitty just tweeted again or, or or put on the chat here over at Rumble said thank you, and and see how how people feel when they're respected. When they're they're not told you're guy you're an idiot you know what you're doing you're gonna kill people that is not the way to change behavior the way to change behavior is go, understand why the behavior is the way it is and address it and there are ways to address it what is wrong with us? I wish Makai was still here because she didn't want to get the vaccine either but she oh was my approaching it God the wrong what is wrong way. with us like what is questions. wrong with us She's trying uh, to push your ooh, it's breathtaking it's breathtaking they that, that can, we're, they we're still the, the way we are they can get on the rebroadcast. <laughs> Yeah, let's. Uh, let's. I want to bring uh, another caller. I mean, up. we're not. We're not telling you to go out and do this. We're just not saying. We're saying we did. Like Bree, Bree, what's going on? Hey, how hey are there. you guys today? We are good. What's happening? Good. Thank you. How are you? This is a really interesting topic. I love that you keep, um, you know, soldiering on with this because I know firsthand just how aggressive the pushback is with. Um, just the freedom of information, you mm -hmm. know, the willingness to discuss these issues openly, mm -hmm. unfortunately, is not happening. Mm. And it's become a desert now. Um, of course, you know, my history a little bit. Um, for those that are listening, I'm one of the few that uh, unfortunately was injured by the vaccine. Um, I lined up for the clinical trial. And unfortunately, it didn't go well for me. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, obviously, we've been gaslit and abandoned. And, you know, we can't get our story out to the media. Well, actually, Newsmax has been talking to us, so that's nice of them. But so here's the problem. I mean, you're talking about the, tr the tribalism, right? Yeah. You're talking about, yeah. the, you know, the, uh, how the unvaccinated are now getting, you know, they all have a target on their back, essentially. Um, if we're all seeing it across the country, especially those that have kids that are about to go into school. Their vaccinated family are asking them, you know, when are you going to vaccinate your kids and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and then you also have the big question, the bigger question about natural immunity. Right. Mm -hmm. So and so where's the money on the studies for natural immunity? I really think that that's worthy of consideration. That's part of the full picture. But also, I mean, you, you know how this goes, but we we also have. Okay, so basically what's happened to us is um, we've, we're a hit and run, right? So we've been hit by a car, okay? And the cops show up and you say, I was hit by a car. And they go, well, no, you weren't hit by a car. So they don't go looking for the car, but you know you were hit by a car. So then you go to the hospital, I was hit by a car. And they say, no, you weren't hit by a car. So somehow this common sense, of there's an issue, right? Whether it's with natural COVID or whether it's with the testing or whether it's with um, the vaccines, nothing is black and white. And for some reason, we cannot get into the actual meat that is going to get us out of the pandemic. I mean, I just barely scheduled a meeting with the head of the FDA today and it's at the end of August and we've been pushing this for months, like since last December. And now we're finally getting a foot in the door. Okay. And I'm, I mean, we all know how this is going to go, right? Like it's, it's, we all know, but we're, we're going to try, we're going to do our best. Um, we're going to say like, this is the limited research we have. Um, but we'll see how it goes. 
But then on the other, oh, I have another question for you, though. With the, um, so I was part of Patterson and Yo's uh, research mm-hmm. that they did. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the unlucky few that it turns out that I have spike in my monocytes. And I ended up with more than anyone else. Um, okay, so, so let's just, let me just out. frame this for people. If, if you, people are getting long hauler syndrome both from COVID and from the vaccine. And uh, Dr. Patterson, who's a famous AIDS researcher, we've been talking to on this program for quite some time with Dr. Yogendra, uh, has shown conclusively that there's a correlation between classical monocyte consumption. It was classical, non-classical, which was non-classical. non-classical monocytes and their consumption of, of the spike protein and their presence in the central nervous system that is associated with long hauler. We don't know if it's causational, but it looks pretty good. Um, and so that is free. So go ahead. Right. So this is pretty interesting stuff. I mean, you know, obviously for the vaccine long haulers, this is very disturbing, especially me being the furthest out they know of nine months out. And I have the mm-hmm. highest number of, you know, there's the correlation classical monocytes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so now they're, you know, everyone's concerned or whatever. And so yeah, now I mean, we're hopefully, trying to hopefully out- because those two are taking your, your symptoms seriously and are having an objective pattern that they're associating with it, they'll come up with some good treatments. So have you tried right. anything and yet? I hope, I think they will. Have you tried anything Well, yet? actually, ironically, I've had five days of IVAG at a major research institution back east. Um, it, you know, I have a fridge. I got a whole box today of uh, different researchers sent me a whole bunch of stuff from Texas today, like $1,000 worth of medications just in a box. And so, so I don't so, know But, but again, are, you know, but, although, although <laughs> here's the lesson. There's a lesson in your story, Brie. <laughs> and here's the lesson. The lesson is, Physicians want to help you. Medical academia even want to help you. The right. Medical caretakers, medical providers give a shit. They care about what's going on here. Bureaucracies do not. Bureaucracies can't adjust course. They can't admit wrong. They can't nuance anything. And they're not designed for that. They, they, they shouldn't be in the mix so much. So good. I'm glad you're getting some care sure. from people that hopefully will get you through this thing, right? Thank you so much. And we mm. really like we've been trying to build a network of physicians and unfortunately well, you're getting there. It, it, it doesn't, so you know, having been through a lot of these sort of new things in my practice, in my career, it doesn't work like that ever. It's a, it's, it's a lot of bunch of, a bunch of fiefdoms pop up. And then once somebody gets the best result, then boom, everybody jumps on. So prepare, prepare yourself. <laughs> Hopefully you'll find the one that has the best <laughs> result. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank good you luck. so much. Yeah, bye. Uh, so yeah, that's a whole other story, Carrie, of, you know, people having symptoms and all, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that. This, this this is stuff you could get into is really the thing that if you want to tell a story is that, you know, my, let's put it to you this way. I want you to file an idea in your head and see if something comes to mind in terms of your investigative reporting, the FDA, the NIH, the NIMH, the AMA, the CDC. Never uh-huh. has the World Health Organization has never been involved in the care of patients ever. When I practiced medicine for the last 35 years, and, right, and the, not that they weren't around and weren't advising and sending letters and giving information and helping support us, they were not involved in the decision making. When a doctor made a decision for his or her patient, it was an improvisation based on his or her knowledge base, period. End of story. All those bureaucracies were not 
involved between the doctor and the patient. When this thing broke, the doctor-patient relationship froze. It stopped functioning, and the doctors ceded all of their responsibility to these bureaucracies. And that is the, that is the story of the disaster here. That, that's where things went really bad. Never before in the history of medicine has there been, has there been a condition where my profession went, uh, go home until you get sicker. That's never happened before. That has never been our approach to a disease ever. Go home until you're so sick, I need to put you on a ventilator. I mean, this is uncanny stuff. Yeah, this, this, is, this is uncanny uncanny wow. stuff. And I, I don't Got know it. what to make of it, but people are starting to loosen up and talk about things. And you're going to start now, as I said earlier in the program today, unfortunately, a lot of those discussions are now happening publicly where they, they shouldn't be. They should be in the grand rounds in the, in the hospitals and in the academic settings and public shouldn't be seeing this. This is how the sausage is made in medicine, folks. You shouldn't be exposed to it. But it's these people so much want to speak up that they're doing it now in public. They're doing it at school board meetings and things like, it's not good. It's not good. So there we go. It makes, um, for, good, it makes, for, it makes for good TV, though. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Um, so many <clears throat> it's getting three, better. Three it's getting better. syllable companies. Like it's no, like bureaucracies. H-O, bureaucracies. H-O, bureaucracies. WHO, yeah. CDC. Yeah, and these all been these are all organizations that I, 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 at the beginning of the outbreak, was saying, look to the CDC, follow their directions. I wouldn't. I didn't say, tell your doctor how to practice medicine. I said, let's see what the CDC, watch Fauci, watch the CDC. They'll get us through this. They'll, they'll have some ideas and we can follow them. I didn't mean that they would be your caretaker. <laughs> That's the part that is like, oh, incredible. And, and here's one thing, another thing that Scott Adams said this this morning. I think this is a great piece of advice. If you right now are certain about anything, if you have ironclad certainty be at anything as it pertains to vaccines and masks and how, how this virus is going to work, you're wrong. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. The only thing you can't be right now is certain because this is an evolving process. You can have strong, hold strong opinions. You might be right. But if you are certain that you could not be wrong, you are wrong <laughs> because, because nobody could be certain right now. It, too, many, too many things That's- are changing too fast. Well, isn't that science in general, though? I mean, because it yes, is a evolving yes, body, yes. body of knowledge. Yes, 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 Gary. Yes, 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 yes. So, so there you go. You know, but we but lost, especially as, true as a now. Populace, especially. Yes, yes, sir. But as a populace, I mean, you know, people have lost, as you alluded to earlier, lost trust in these institutions for a variety of I different know. reasons. Not just, I mean, I you can be wrong in science if you have a good heart about it. Hey, we had the wrong information. Now we're adjusting course based on new data. I totally mm-hmm. get that. Um, but again, there's, there's a, lot of, all the time. A, lot, a lot of reason that people, you know, distrust, you know, Fauci or this alphabet organization or that one. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of distrust out there, which you alluded to with Tuskegee and stuff. How can we win back mm-hmm. the trust? Just tell the truth, you know, that type of thing. Uh, yes, sir. That is exactly right. Transparency and truth, which is the not happening right now, it seems. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, if, uh, uh, yeah, if people Bruce are saying trusting Fauci. <laughs> I, wait, wait. Uh, somebody's if, uh, asking for one response. I'm, go ahead, Carrie. Go ahead. I was saying the, the story with Brie, like it's very, very fascinating. If she's still listening, I would love to follow up with her and her uh, friends. If she's still listening, you can definitely send me an email at uh, Veritas Tips at Proton Mail, and just say, "Hey, Carrie, it's Bree from the uh, from Clubhouse. I would love to talk to you to learn more about your story or anyone like that." So it's one of those things. We're always trying to dig at the truth 
no matter where it takes us, that's the beauty of truth. Veritas Tips at ProtonMail? Proton, yes, sir. Veritas Tips, one word, okay. at ProtonMail, V-E-R-I-T-A-S, tips at ProtonMail.com. So uh, S'mores says, uh, Dr. Fauci wasn't great advice talking to me. And that's S'mores, that's what I'm talking about. It, it, right now, it doesn't look at great advice, but I'm gonna I, I'm gonna bet that there's gonna be some sort of reversion to the mean with that gentleman, and you will you will he will end up being okay when this is all done, because I've been through I've said this before in this stream I've been through five pandemics with that guy, and four out of the five he has been exceptional and helpful, and is the reason I got involved in radio because he was telling us what we had to do with the HIV thing, getting out there in the media, and so. Let's don't be certain yet. You may be right. I may be wrong, but let's see. I, I'm betting on a reversion to the mean for his his performance. I'm not super happy with a lot of stuff he's done too. I understand, but uh, I think when the day is done, he's a got a pretty good bead on 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 where we should be going. Usually, that's all I'm saying. Um, so, well, Carrie, thank you so much for. I know, I know. <clears throat> um, there is one more. Question. We got to kind of wrap things up. We've been we've been here for quite some time. No, Susan, okay. What time do you have to go to? Uh, I got an hour. Box. I got an hour still. Take another one. Okay. This is. Uh, I don't have to go until four forty-five. Ah, this is Phil. Hi, Phil. Hey, Doctor Drew. Great to uh, uh, talk to you. Actually, uh, I got to tell you real quick. I was not a big huge fan of yours <laughs> until <laughs> today. Uh, <laughs> big fan, but you, listen, I haven't been in a clubhouse room probably with more sanity and logic than what I've been hearing here with Carrie and yourself and the speakers. I, I have this to say or question. Okay. I started losing the trust and Carrie, you just mentioned that about how we, we've lost trust. Yeah. I started losing it probably three or so years ago mm. when I started seeing what you all have been confirming what's been happening. And that's the censorship, the blocking, the, you know, the silencing mm -hmm. of the voices out there. And what I saw have been being silenced. Mm -hmm. And when we look at who's been being silenced, whether they were right or wrong, mm -hmm. that's when I started to say, I don't trust the message of those that um, are controlling, controlling more the yeah. voices that have been silenced. Yeah. Because why are they being silenced? Right. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not sure that's a, you know, I understand why you would move that way, but I'm not sure that's the right way, position to take, but I totally well, understand why you'd be there. And, and, but I'm, we, you know, how many times has trust come up on this program today? I mean, that is the issue right now. I, I, I think that's, you know, and it's easy to diagnose, right? I mean, everyone's feeling it and why the, you know, the bureaucrats aren't addressing it or you know, adjusting their behavior to help improve that. It's, it's astonishing to me. Astonishing. Yeah. And Dr. Drew, so, and this would be interesting to get a comment from you from a medical perspective yeah. is what am I to believe? Cause I don't know yeah. of these say doctors, nurses, medical administrators that come out and say, Hey, we're seeing something here that isn't making sense. Yeah. And it's going against the, the narrative that it seems like the power brokers be want you to hear. Yep. So when they are getting silenced, it's like. Are, so here, are, here's know. what I think is happening. Here, here's my sense. And, and this is a guess. My, what I think is happening is that 
public health. It, literally, what's so bizarre to me about this is this used to be the attitude of the right, which is we need to tell you how to live and what your value should be, and you can't handle the truth. That's their That's position. Right. That's their position. You can't handle the truth. And so what they've done, it said public health has got to have a unified voice. It's got to be saying the same thing at all times. And we need the help of the social media moguls. We need the help of that infrastructure. And they automatically have certain media outlets that pile on with them. And they've said that any alternative points of view are going to add to a vaccine resistance and therefore must be silenced. When in, in fact, the opposite is true. The more you obscure the data, the more you make it difficult to really see what's going on, the more impossible it makes for somebody like me to give you informed consent based on currently available data, the more the distrust builds, the more it, it becomes contagious and the more rigid it becomes. It's the exact opposite of what they should be doing. They should take Phil and go, Phil, you're right. Let me open the books and show you all the numbers. Let me be as transparent as possible, answer all your questions. And these people over here that are questioning things, you know what? We're going to listen to them too. And we're going to try to arrive at the truth. And, and here's what I think is happening uh, as it pertains to all these other opinions you're hearing out there. As I've said before, normally that happens within the profession. <laughs> normally that happens at the grand rounds and at the, at the presentations. And we argue, we, we fight it out with each other. You don't see it publicly. Now those people are being silenced even professionally. And so they feel like they have to appeal to the public. They're raising issues that are, eh, I mean, I'm willing to listen and think about it. It's important to get outlying opinions. I, 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 you know, I, again, certainty is the enemy here because I'm not certain of anything right now. I think when the day is done, the basic fact that we as medical providers generally do bad things to people to prevent worse things to, for, to people. And the, uh, that's how we make our risk reward analysis. We, we, there's nothing we do that isn't dangerous because we're dealing with dangerous situations and dangerous uh, conditions and illnesses. And those illnesses, unfortunately, require dangerous types of manipulations of physiology and dangerous interventions. So we're always trying to minimize the risk, maximize the benefit. But it's not, the risk is never zero. And right now, I can't explain to you exactly what the risk is, but when the dust settles, I do believe, I may be wrong, but I do believe that the risk reward will come down on the side of vaccination. That's why I'm vaccinated. That's why my wife is vaccinated. I listen to people with all kinds of grave concerns about vaccination. They may have some, some real, I, there may be something real in what they're concerning. And I, friends of mine have these concerns. And I, I still say, I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I get you. I, I hear you. But I, my gut is that when the day is done, the, the risk reward will come down on the side of vaccination. And for a lot of reasons, including, you know, reducing uh, replication. So we decrease mutations also decrease hospitalization, decrease deaths. And, you know, my son's been sick for two weeks after his vaccine. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. He's been sick as hell. And, but I still think it'll be, have been worth it for him when the day is done. Um, so that's me. That's my opinion, uh, Phil. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, let's all hope we get through this. And uh, just one final thought. Yeah. Going back to what was said maybe 15, 20 minutes ago, when, uh, and Carrie, you, I have no idea of your story. I'll be following it more closely now and looking up Vera, the Veritas, way, yeah. But, yeah, is that we have, at least on regarding the, uh, the, what they, what say CNN at one point, and they have come out and publicly admitted, and then we have the private conversations 
of doing something at all costs, mm. which was not to report things truthfully per se, but to have an agenda. Mm -hmm. And that's dangerous. Terry, mm -hmm. I'll put you back on hold, Phil. Thank you. Terry? No, it's a, <clears throat> no, great, uh, great observations, Phil. And I love your comment and question and, and your discourse with, with Drew. And it's, it's just such a sad state of affairs where, where we once turned on the TV. And if it was on the TV or in print, then it was gospel almost, you know, because they very, very rarely made a mistake. And going back before, if you did make a mistake, it was, you know, pretty dire consequences in my industry, uh, where now yeah. is there's no accountability, there's no repercussions. Um, you know, as long as it got clicks, likes and shares, that's all that uh, these, these people care about. And that's truly eroding just the, the decency between people, how we vote or how we think, you know, we used to be able to have discussions with each other and come to arrive, yeah. at, you know, hey, here's the facts and we'll come to the middle or whatever. And nowadays, it's like you said earlier, Drew, it's, it's tribalism. Joe Rogan says that all the time as well. It's just tribalism nowadays. So, But I see through, I see what's underneath the tribalism in terms of the personality functioning and the collective <laughs> right. action and the uh, scapegoating. I, I see what it all is. Dr. Johnson, Catherine Johnson's a physician. Welcome. I am. I'm an emergency physician. And I'm curious to hear your perspective on this. You're referencing physicians who have been censored mm. and silenced. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is when I hear some of these uh, so-called physicians speaking, I don't believe they have hospital privileges. I don't believe they're taking care of COVID patients. I believe they're more on like a wellness mission or there, something. There are definitely those. The, the, those aren't the guys I'm yes. talking about. You should hear, that's so a great point. Me. You, sh yeah, you should, point. let I me just say, you should owe anybody I, I just, I, somebody asked me about someone today and I looked up their credentials. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't even, I can't even discuss what this person's talking about. He doesn't have the credentials you need to. I prefer to see a major, uh, a significant undergraduate training in science. That's just me. A medical school graduation from a accredited medical school, a residency in at least one discipline and at least one board certification that tells you this person is up to a certain professional standard and preferably a bunch of teaching experience in multiple settings. That's what I look for when I try to decide if somebody, if I can start to engage with, with this person, or if they have an academic standing, an academic position, okay, that's a little bit of a different kind of a, not a clinical sort of a situation. They, sometimes they stay in academia right out of residency, but I'm listening because that you don't get to those positions uh, casually. How does that sound? I have spent quite a bit of time as have my physician and science colleagues who are very forthcoming, as you can see in my bio, to our level of expertise in education mm -hmm. when it comes to medical facts, science, and clinical experience, mm -hmm. especially in COVID-19. So it's troubling when there are those who speak of themselves as doctors but do not hold these credentials mm -hmm. and are giving health disinformation on this app that mm -hmm. creates and heightens vaccine hesitancy when we are seeing cases of the Delta variant surge and overwhelm of hospitalizations because this pandemic of unvaccinated, if you will, is, is really polarizing communities. So and, I'm very and so we're, we're, sure, where do you suggest people go to get good information? 
and, and we direct them often to the NIH.gov website, the CDC.gov website. Uh, they'll back channel asking for It's hard. It's hard. Here's what I wish we could uh, publicize more thoroughly, which is the, the age breakdown and the hospitalization breakdown per vaccine status. So both the age and the vaccine status, hospitalization and death. Okay. That, it's not easy to find that data. And you know what, we're all in this but you know, when I'm hearing the messaging from these non-physicians, non-clinical physicians, mm -hmm. really amplifying some message that the vaccine is unsafe, that it hasn't been tested, these are these are just and not true. They yeah. are blatantly false categorizations that are really I think dangerous, almost like mass malpractice at this point, because we are seeing the unvaccinated filling up the hospitals. And now this is a preventable hospitalization. It's a preventable, often death. So can you can you quote the data on percent hospitalized with the vaccine versus without? So the New York Times actually is doing this, um, and there are some other websites. But for me to get up here and quote it, I, I think I've got it. This is from, uh, and I think this is Israeli data. I'm not sure. So we're, let's not think of Israel because their level of vaccination is quite different. Right. Um, I understand. But, I they, but they do publish, but, but they publish hospitalized vaccinated. And I they do. And a cohort of highly vaccinated. Right. So really That's right. The, the, the bias and the level of sophistication and nuance to interpret that data, which is incomplete data, is one that I don't think is relevant to the question and concern that I'm bringing to you directly. Well, let me just, let me just, I think you'll, when you hear the data, I don't think you'll say that. The data I have, and again, I'm, this is something somebody sent me today, so I'm going to have to check on the resource. And But the data is in front of me. Uh, rate of hospitalization amongst fully populated, 0.01%. So there you go. Um, so it, it, whatever, let me, I got to find what they're, this is supposedly from, uh, where is this from? It's a cohort of 478,000 fully vaccinated. Okay. Any event. So we agree that it, the vaccinated are not getting sick. Correct. But the data, is the, 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 but you talk, the, do you talk to the unvaccinated? The do you talk to the unvaccinated? I do. I'm in rooms with them. Right. And, and, and what's the number one thing and what's the number one thing they tell you? They tell me there hasn't been long-term data. No, 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 no. You got to got to go beneath oh, that. Well, you got to go under that. I'm What's you my No, no, that's so what they tell you too. Tell me they tell me that too, but then you go, that. "Come on. There is data. What's really going on?" And do they give you something else when you ask what's really going on? Oh, well, it's I personally think it's a fear-based position. They don't know how to interpret the data and they'd rather hear the disinformation which is more reassuring okay. to them than the truth. What they the will tell is that you that's all true. That's all true. But they will tell you in their own, 100% of the time, it's been my experience, that they will tell you, the reason I'm in this position, I don't know who to trust. That's what they will all tell you. I don't know who to trust. And, and, and if you sit with right? them, and if you, and if you sit, because they don't know, they say it themselves, I don't know who to trust. I, I have found also 100% of people I can build back trust by talking to them about, what about full approval? What about a... What about a, a platform based off the pertussis vaccine? Would you take that? Yes, yes, yes. No one ever tells me this. No one talks to me about this. 
you you personally can actually rebuild that trust just by spending time with them. And you, you listen, you'll be shocked at how people respond to just being respected and building that trust. They they come on board. The problem is, as I mentioned already, when you said you're a bad person, you're going to die, blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing in dealing with drug addicts, which I've done for 30 years. And you tell them, you got to stop doing drugs or you're going to die. They stand up and walk out of the room <laughs> as soon as you do that. Four shields go up with people as soon as you uh, e evoke strong emotion. And coming straight and a, and a frontal assault, always, 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 just the way it is, the way people are. All right. So uh, we do have to wrap things up. I do have to wrap things up now. Uh, thank you, Dr. Johnson, for that call. Carrie, any last uh, comments on what you're talking about? Uh, no, this has been a blast, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, again, <clears throat> for those of you that don't know, if you or someone you know or someone they know ha has overheard anything at work or anything that the public needs to know, you can always contact us at veritastips at protonmail.com. Um, but again, Drew, thank you so much for your time. It has truly been a blast uh, being on screen with one of my childhood heroes. And please continue your fight. Okay, oh, it's very kind. Very kind. There's no fight. I'm not fighting. <laughs> I'm trying not to fight. That's You're just specifically trying to what I don't want to do. I just want to be. I want people are fighting. I want people to get better. <laughs> I want people to do well. Like I've seen Dr. Johnson has the same goal. I'm, I'm putting up a good fight. <laughs> oh my God. Drew's um, he's yeah. not a fighter, he's a lever. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cigars, <laughs> I see the fight you're, you're uh, doing there. Please do. I mean, that's Tom's all Tom's doing stuff. a Twitch, Twitch troll fight for us over Good there. for him. Well done. Thank you, Tom. No, we interesting really appreciate your you openness. What's that? Well, an interesting point that you'd want to Dr. Johnson's uh, comments. Again, I'm just speaking from my point of view and not a medical expert. You know, she's getting a lot of pushback from the unvaccinated. Um, we did an expose a couple months ago on Facebook. Uh, that she can go look at. It's a, from Morgan Common. He was a Facebook engineer. And anytime people would even start questioning the V, the vaccine, even not being anti-vax, but truly, hey, I heard there's some weird side effects or some studies. Can you answer that for me in a medical? Facebook algorithm would start to flag those not only comments, but accounts as vaccine hesitance, and it would give you a score, a grade, and start affecting your account and feeding you different information. You'd have to, I'd have to talk to Morgan about that, but that's one of the hesitancies that you know people have is like, well, hey, I'm just asking questions. I'm not trying to do one way or the other, and big tech is putting their finger on the scale for me. Again, going back into the trust issue that like, hey, if these big tech overlords are now not even allowing me to have a general discussion or question in my medical personal health, then who can I trust, right? And that's what kind of breeds that discontent and uh, keeps us off from the middle like you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Just All make right. sure the information you're getting is coming from a genuine professional. Well, that's like what Dr. Profession. Johnson is saying. Yeah. That make sure, look at the, the people never look at the credentials. And if, if people don't put their credentials up front on their websites, they don't have them. Because anybody that has real training, real credentials is happy to share them with you. Uh, okay. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. Uh, Caleb Nation, thank you for producing today and setting all this up. Good job. I lo loved all those visuals you were doing. Susan, thank you. And tomorrow we're going to just do calls. Uh, we're or working on the dermatologist, but also mm. Dr. Gary Donovan's 
Donovitz is coming on Tuesday mm-hmm. with his magic potion uh, of with, hormones. Okay. And he's going to talk about cancer and and He published a paper on testosterone and cancer in patients on estrogen. Is that correct? Uh, testosterone. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. I think that's the name I haven't of the paper. Seen the paper he yet. told me that was coming. And so I think he finally peer-reviewed and published So he's that. coming back to help us figure out our hormones, which we definitely need to balance according to uh, Gary. Uh, right. Who was here yesterday? Yep. I can't ever remember his last name. Brecca. Brecca. Uh, and we have uh, Trisha Paytas coming on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, yes. Next week. And then Wednesday, what? I'm sure we're going to have. Who do we have on? Yes, Caleb, I know. Hold Caleb. on a second. <laughs> I'm going to end the clubhouse room. Thank you guys for hanging here. <laughs> well, Thank maybe, you for your great questions. Move, maybe we'll move Ask Dr. Drew <laughs> to Thursday. And hang on. We're going to run. Our, we're going to end this right now. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Can you do that? I will. I, I don't Is that, know. Uh, are you freaking out about that? I thought... Thursday. She's a classic. She's from like Susan, the earliest, you. earliest YouTube days. I, this is Drew's booking. So I told we, Susan. I said Caleb's going to want to be part of this. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you yeah. yet, but I just, I just sealed her in for Thursday. So Trisha, you know, as, as Caleb knows, I went on H three H three, and they had a huge blow up. And I was trying to help them. And what I like about Trisha is she's been very forthcoming about her psychiatric stuff lately and i think it's very courageous and educational and she, she's interesting and so we're going to get into all that caleb does that sound about right to you um yes that sounds amazing she's from the earliest days of youtube <laughs> you from, like, from back at my time <laughs> so yeah i'd be very excited anything that she says and and does is part of internet history so oh nice <laughs> so she will caleb will be here I will right, we'll make internet <laughs> history next Thursday. For, he doesn't care about hormones. He uh, just he's he's still yeah. got his. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, see you guys then. To yeah, there's what do you put up there? You put up Carrie's saying, but we'll see you guys tomorrow. And uh, thanks for coming on. Swing on by next week. And Carrie, thanks so much. Stay in touch. Okay. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.